Like you gotta use your AK. Like some drama going down, some furniture getting moved. How, Let's be real here. How was your day, honey? I I didn't have to use my AK today. Oh, it seems like a good day. It seems like a great day. Yeah. Yeah, I've never messed around and got a triple double. That's no again. That's it's not again. That's the thing. It's like it's a great day. Q. You are locked on Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> Welcome to the Locked On Hornets podcast. I'm Walker Mail alongside Nada Edwards and Doug Branson. You can check us out at Twitter at Walker Mail, Nada the Scribe, and you can find the show handle on most social media platforms at Locked On Hornets. Doug, of course, Doug Branson, LOH. And we will welcome now to the guest line Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer again, as we do every single Tuesday. And you can catch him on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. Rick, how are you doing today? I'm fine. You know, one of these weeks, I think we need a special guest appearance by Doug so I can actually hear what his voice still sounds like. I know, Doug. So usually we just take these, take care of these right after the show, right after the wake-up call, and then Doug is, is busy doing his big boy job, I guess. But we do need to have Doug included on it. He's uh, wanted to be on on this, and so is Nada. So we'll try to see what he can do. Um, and talk some Charlotte Hornets, as we'll do right here, Rick. Just looking ahead at what they have tonight against the Cleveland Cavaliers and maybe some of the injuries that you look at. Just one, with Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, Rick, it's somebody that did have a sprained right ankle in that game against Detroit. He did come out in a walking boot, but it does look at least day-to-day. Rick, what, what's the what's the um, prognosis that you've heard on MKG and whether he'll be uh, good to go tonight? He, um, When I talked to him after the game in Detroit, he didn't seem particularly you know, worried that this was going to be some sort of big long-term thing. But, 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 but he also, you know, acknowledged that, you know, in a situation like this, you just can't tell two hours after you sprain an ankle, you know, how much worse it, 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 it might get after it had a chance to, uh, um, you know, to, to swell up um, overnight. But, Walker, I, I don't think this is a big deal. And to me, what made the most interesting thing about this for them to have gone 13 games into an NBA season without losing a single player game uh, to injury, and uh, you know the NBA defines a player game as having lost an entire game due to uh, to um, to an injury that happened before a game started. That's that's I think that's pretty pretty darn rare. I mean, I, I remember thinking um, going into the season opener that I couldn't remember a lot of season openers when the Hornets were completely injury-free. Yeah, and you look at what MKG has been able to do, especially in this new role that Borrego has pretty much implemented for him, playing the power forward. It's a guy that's really made himself useful. And I know a lot of fans want to write off MKG because he doesn't bring the value of a second overall pick, but this guy has been really meaningful to this team on the defensive side. And Rick, it looks like MKG, we've talked about it before, but I mean, he's really embraced this role that Borrego has carved out for him. You know, Walker, you've heard me say that he's one of the truly great human beings that I've covered in 30 years around the NBA. Um, He didn't just um, do what Borrego asked him. Um, He threw himself into it. Uh, You know, you were at Media Day with me, and I remember when we asked Michael about this, I found his answer really interesting, that he just turned the question inside out when somebody said, you know, how do you feel about making this adjustment, not only, you know, being a, going from a starter to being a bench player, but going from primarily a small forward to a power forward? 
And I thought Michael's what's the big deal answer was, was very interesting in that what he said was, he said, I'm going to do what I do. And what he obviously meant by that, you know, as he explained, was, you know, he's going to rebound, he's going to defend. And I loved it when he said, you know, positions are just labels. And I thought, wow, what a refreshing way to look at this. Because we all know, and I, and I understand why players are this way, but in every sport, you know, through, you throw a player out of his comfort zone, it can really rattle them. And in Michael's case, it was just the opposite. And, you know, when we mentioned that, I think that the questions that Kemba Walker gets asked more than any from, from, media, from out-of-town media, and I understand why they ask the question, is they ask him, do you mind playing so much off the ball this season? And Kemba is exactly the opposite of that. He was, he was open-minded enough about the way that Borrego was looking to find new ways to solve problems, that Kemba immediately grasped the idea that this is a way to take some burden off of him. I think one of the neat little stories about the early season so far, and I, I talked to Marvin Williams about this last week, is everybody on this team, considering that this was a very veteran team that was used to doing things a certain way for the last five seasons, and Steve Clifford, they have been extremely adaptive to what, Borrego has asked him to do. Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer joining us now on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. And Rick, you bring up Marvin Williams. It's somebody that really has struggled with his shot. He hit a couple against Detroit, but so far the field goal percentage just not up where it has been in a couple seasons past. Same thing with his three-point shooting percentage. Is, is Marvin's starting job safe? And I know we talk about the label of starting maybe not mattering as much as how many minutes you play in certain situations, but at least is there a certain situation that you could see maybe him getting a little bit more rest on the bench because his shot just isn't as effective you know when coaches answer questions before you get a chance to really ask them i always pay a lot of attention to that when i asked borrego this sort of open-ended question about how he felt marvin was playing this season about a week ago it was very interesting to me that before he even got a chance to ask up the ask up the initial um um, the, the follow-up question, which he knew was coming, he said to me, Marvin is my starter, and that's it. Uh, and, you know, I think to some degree that's as much as anything about – that's a default position, frankly, as much as anything else. It says as much about the Hornets' situation of power forward as it does about how Marvin is playing. Um, I don't think it would be wise to start Miles Bridges right now, and frankly, I don't think there's any other logical thing you would do at power forward. It does not make sense to move MKG back into the starting lineup. He's, he fits so well with what they're asking him to do right now, and Miles simply is not ready for the responsibility of being an NBA starter. Um, the other thing that I think people, I always think they marginalize this, Marvin is extremely important organizationally to this team's defense. Um, and, and if you take him, if you, if you significantly reduce his role, and remember, Marvin would be the first person to say, because I've heard him say it a dozen times, at this point in his career, starting doesn't matter to him. But there's a difference between starting and de-emphasizing, and de-emphasizing Marvin would be a huge mistake. And in that same sentiment, just based on the rotation of guys, Rick, how do you think that Borrego has managed the logjam at wing so far, and how do you expect him to do it going forward? I always thought going into the season when I looked at that roster that there was going to be a wing player 
who was good enough to be in the rotation, who, barring injuries, couldn't be in the rotation. And that guy, I, mean, it's, I think it's not a big surprise that Dwayne Bacon ended up being that guy. He's, he's the second-round pick with relatively little experience. That does not mean at all that Bacon is not in their pl- long-term plans. Uh, I thought it was very interesting of J.B. that... You know, he didn't like what he was seeing early in the second half of the Philly game, so he just went and shook it up. Um, pulled all five starters at once, threw in a whole new bunch. Uh, you know, the expression in the NBA is muck up the game. He did that. He got the game to overtime. Um, it was, it, it said to me that JB is not afraid to be his own man, to rattle things. You know, Walker, do you find it as interesting as I do that with the exception of Frank Minsky, literally every single player on this team who has a guaranteed contract, or the college equivalent to, you know, scholarship players, every one of them, with the arguable exception of Frank, has already played meaningful minutes this season. That says that he's that he's not just willing to sit there with the status quo as coach. Right, and, and it makes a lot of sense than the reason why they let Travion Graham go. It was going to be a, a same guy at the beginning of the season that was going to be... Yeah, that would have been pointless. Right, yeah. it would have been added in that same logjam, even though a lot of people here in Charlotte liked the potential that Graham could provide for somebody. And you talk about the meaningful, significant minutes. Um, maybe Graham would have got some, but I, it's, it's going to be hard to find him any, and with any kind of consistency. No, I agree. I think you've seen a lot of these wings play significant minutes. And Rick, they're going to be playing a bad Cleveland Cavaliers team tonight. They don't have Kevin Love. They're bad even with Kevin Love. Maybe not as bad as they are now, but certainly it's not a team that you have any kind of hope in going forward this season. And losing George Hill to injury is not trivial. (laughs) No, especially to that team. I'm saying it's Colin (laughs) Colin Sexton is out there soloing now, and I don't know if he's ready to do that. So, Rick, this is a bad team. We talked about it on the wake-up call today. They have one win on the season. I... I'm scared that uh, I, the Charlotte Hornets are a better team, but I'm just kind of going by the their due philosophy. I'm not saying that Cleveland's going to win tonight, but at some point they have to win another game. Rick, it, it brings us to the discussion that we've seen a team perform extremely badly to epic proportions right here in Charlotte with that 7-59 and Bobcats team. Is that record untouchable? Do you think that there's going to be a team that ever surpasses that low of a winning percentage? Uh, Walker, I think that there were so many uh, things that added to that team's misery that were actually beyond, you know, the front office's control. That I think it's going to be hard to do. I mean, and people forget, you know, the reason that it's not that wasn't an 82 game season is because that was one of the lockout years, and they assembled um, like, you know, the day after Christmas to start preparing for a season. That meant that. Um, Kemba and, and Biz missed an entire summer of the normal preparations that rookies, you know, remember, I mean, those are lottery-level rookies. They were going to have a role on a bad team immediately. Um, those guys did not have the normal summers of preparation. They couldn't act, interact with coaches. And then, you know, Corey Maggette was obviously, you know, at the tail end of his career, but they intended for Corey to have a significant on-court role in that team, and then he gets hurt, and gets hurt constantly. Um, you know, they tell Gerald Wallace that he's not going to get traded, and then five hours later they <laughs> trade him. They, they did no favors for, for Paul Silas that season. What I'm getting at is 
if a team finishes an NBA season with a worse winning percentage than the seven and fifty nine Bobcats, holy yeah. God, that's an awful <laughs> team. God bless them. Um, I, I I will say this: um, the part of that that where it could get complicated with the with the Cavaliers is at some this, 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 what's happening to them is going so far south so fast that you wonder because obviously Dan Gilbert you know is a is an activist owner you wonder if that team will just start intentionally going as far south as it can because as those of us in North Carolina notice about a certain college team up in Durham mm-hmm. it's going to be a rather interesting top of the draft yeah it, at the very top it, it's going to be very interesting and we'll see if Cleveland even flirts with the kind of bad year that Charlotte did all those years ago or maybe they just settle for being the worst team this year and that'll do Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast as he does every Tuesday check out his work at the charlotteobserver.com you can also check his work out on his Twitter feed at Rick underscore Bennell Rick thanks for joining us every week we appreciate it Sure thing, Walker. Once again, a big thanks to Rick Bennell for joining us on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. And if you want to support our show and the amazing people that put it together, consider joining our Patreon community for as little as $1 a month. You can help us keep making the Daily Hornets content that you've come to trust. Go to patreon.com slash LOH. There's a link in the description of this episode, and you can get entered into our contest for free bobbleheads and tickets and get access to content before anyone else. Patreon.com slash LOH. Every dollar goes to making this the best Hornets talk in all of Charlotte. Stick around with us. I'm Walker Mail alongside Nada Edwards and Doug Branson. This is the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. So wait a minute. Do we value players that forget plays all of a sudden? I thought we were <laughs> we loved LeBron James because he remembered he could cite to you every single play from every game he's ever played in. Now all of a sudden we like players who have no idea what happened on the previous play. I don't think you want him to play scared, right? It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Welcome back to the Locked on Hornets podcast. Thanks again to Rick Bennell for joining us. Reminiscing on that awful 7-59 Charlotte Bobcat team. Maybe just one day an organization will take that record that nobody should want away from the Charlotte Bobcats' hands. Yeah, I doubt that. But again, as Rick said, it took a lot of just unfortunate circumstances. Like a lot of bad things to happen where both of the rookies on your team, one that was a miss with Bismack Biombo, yeah. had to have significant roles. You also had Corey Maggette get hurt and Corey Maggette already being the star player on that team with Gerald Wallace coming out of basically his prime, still a productive player, but then no, you but trade remember, him Wallace anyway. Wallace wasn't there. Yeah, like Wallace wasn't there. Gerald Henderson was your guy. Well, Gerald w- Wallace was traded, right? I mean, Gerald Wallace was traded, and then that made Corey Maggette be That's the true. guy. Yeah, And then so. you had, like, basically you had Boris Dio as the Michelin man. Yeah. Yeah, bad, bad memory. So let's move on and just focus on this Charlotte Hornets team. And we'll go to our Patreon question of the day. A couple of. We got bonus questions. We got two questions from Patreon. Uh-oh. We'll start with Keith first. Question from Keith, quote, What do you think of Bacon getting some more serious minutes? Or getting more some minutes. Excuse me, not serious. I can't read. So getting more slash some minutes from Dwayne Bacon. And that's something I talked about with Rick in that interview. You saw him get a little bit more into that rotation. And Rick mentioned that it was logical to think a player that probably deserves some run 
was not going to get any because of all the other guys that you had at the wing position. And yet it still it didn't mean anything as far as his future here with the team. Like they still Agreed. very much agree that Dwayne Bacon is going to be a part of the future, or at least him not getting minutes doesn't anything to serve as a detriment to that. So I'm I'm interested to see if Dwayne Bacon's gonna find his way a little find his way a little bit more into the rotation. And he gave you some good minutes in that one, what was it, Philly, right? Yeah, it was against gave, Philadelphia. Again, he put it in buckets. He did what again, you always knew Dwayne Bacon was going to be the odd man out because he couldn't shoot threes. And the fact that he did hit two threes on the corner, if he's hitting corner threes regularly, then he was he's going to push some guys for minutes. There's a spot. I thought if Jeremy Lamb was not going to be able to go because of that pole groin, that that would be Bacon's spot to take, and Lamb might not have a spot when he got back. I think Bacon is perfect for what he is, which is an energy guy that you can bring in in certain in certain positions, and that's what you saw Borrego do there, 23 minutes against Philly, and the team desperately needed just something different. But I don't think he'll be pushing anyone for minutes by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I, I think Dwayne Bacon is is somebody that I, I feel good about at least, and it's a second-round pick. So you pay, you're patient with him, and you hope that he can be something towards the future. We'll move on to our next Patreon question from Andrew says, quote, now that we're 15% of the way through the season, do we have any more clarity on the Hornets ceiling in the Eastern Conference? I've talked about this the last week or so. I think we do have a lot more clarity. And at the beginning of the season, I would have said that the ceiling for this Charlotte Hornets team is at the sixth seed. And that had to be everything going correct. That had to be everything doing uh, absolutely falling into the right place. And now I think it's still their ceiling, but I think it's very attainable. In fact, if we were to put money on where the Charlotte Hornets were to finish right now, I would say the Hornets are going to finish as the sixth seed. You like season. throwing money away then, don't you? Well, where are you going to put them? I'm putting them at seven or eight. I don't Well, think who's going to finish ahead of them? I still think Detroit has something to say, despite the fact that I'm not really a believer. I don't think in I'm Detroit. throwing my money away. Yes, you are throwing your money away. So you think that there's absolutely going to be one of these teams: the Detroit Pistons, the Nets, the Magic, the Heat, the Wizards, who you've been Down extremely on. low on even yes. before. So basically, you're saying it's the Detroit Pistons who the Hornets just destroyed, really, and allowed them to get back in that game in a bad way in the last part. I still think there's a trade that someone's going to make. That's going to get, they're going to see that six seed is attainable. Now, granted, six seed is not what you normally would want in the East this year because you have four really good teams in the East or good to great teams. But at the same time, I think that people are going to see playoff spots being attainable. They're going to see that there's at least two home games you're getting in these. Someone's going to make a trade. I don't know who it's going to be. I just don't. Might be the Hornets. Yeah, it might be the Hornets. I don't, I'm not sure. But I, I don't know yet. I, I feel very good about a six seed for them being, again, very attainable. And then at the beginning of the season, I thought everything had to go perfectly in order for them to get it. I'm going to one-up both of you and, oh, say, wow. and say definitively that I think the ceiling for the Charlotte Hornets, if everything goes right, if everyone stays relatively healthy, I think the ceiling for the Charlotte Hornets is the fourth seed, the final home wait, playoff wait, wait. Series C. That's bold. Who are they, who are they? What? How? How would that scenario happen in your eyes, Doc? Well, we have to see how this trade plays out with the 76ers adding Jimmy Butler. Does that help them or hurt them? I mean, you would think it would help them, but at the same time, they they took away from their depth. 
And then I'm I'm still look. I know the Bucks are playing really well right now, but are we completely sold Ooh, yes. that this yes. team yes. is no a top four seed? Yes. That they can't fall apart with one or two injuries. Only that, one injury. That well, see, I, I I'm still not sold that they could sustain one or two injuries. See, I still have to wait and see on that. No, I'm things all in can on the happen. Bucks. I'm all in on the Bucks. I think I'm the just Bucks, saying. Listen, we're 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 talking like the top four seeds in the Eastern Conference are decided. They are. I, I don't think they are. No, I, I think you do have. You can't so, say that 15% of the way through the season. Actually, you can say it, Nada, because that's what you do. That's what you say. But no one <laughs> but else no, can I say don't, that. I don't do that, and I'm being reckless right now. I'm losing my pod dad privileges. I'm The way that this discussion is going to be had, it, you can throw out the worst-case scenarios in extremely dramatic fashion where you're going to have a ton of injuries, right? Let's say Kawhi and Kyle Leonard We're get talking in. about a ceiling. I'm saying the ceiling. I, I can't see a reason why the ceiling can't be set at the fourth seed. So it the has, ceiling is the roof? It has to come right. It has to come with some injuries, though. If, if we're okay. just, if, if, But that means a Kawhi Leonard and a Kyle Lowry injury to me, because the Raptors are going to go down. That would have to be the Giannis and maybe a Middleton injury would have to happen for the Bucks. So you're you're asking for chaos. So I guess, yeah, what's the ceiling? You, know, you, you could go really bad, and you can go very dramatic and say, well, everybody gets injured, and the Charlotte Hornets find themselves all the way at the top. It could happen. Right. <laughs> That's, that's where we're going here. I think I'm if not you're, cheering for that. I'm just no. saying it could happen. <laughs> it if it could. happens, it happens. It could. The Monstars could absolutely come down, steal everybody's talent, but the Charlotte Hornets, and the Hornets could win the championship. Seems like that's what happened to Markel Be- Fultz. Beating the Golden State wow. Warriors. It did happen wow. to Markel Fultz. Markel Fultz saw. Did anybody see a little green alien shoot up his shorts or something like that and get some of the talent? Like, possibly that could happen. I, I just, feel bad for that kid. I, I, think, I think that the Charlotte Hornets... I think that why the do we feel the bad? Thing. Why do we feel bad for Markel Fultz and other guys? We're just willing to completely clown on when they We've come into the league dis- and flame out. We had this discussion the very first segment of the wake up call today. Mike Golick Jr. was talking about. I definitely listened. Why we destroy right at six a.m. You're you're a saint for doing that. Why do we destroy Nathan Peterman yet? It, but people were getting really sensitive. bad I made about a joke Markel on Fultz. Twitter about it. And people are super sensitive about making fun of Markel Fultz. What, when did he all of a sudden get all this capital with people? So here's, here's my problem with all of it, right? I, I have a problem with, with completely publicly bashing both of them because there comes a point where these guys are the butt of a joke constantly that it really probably, I would imagine there are some severe mental effects from this, right? Especially if these guys aren't exactly 100% confident, and it obviously shows they're not 100% confident in shooting, and Nathan Peterman goes out there and throws a ton of interceptions. You know, how much does that affect them? You know, it's, it's, it's crazy because we're in this line of work to criticize. Yes. And so... At what point is it fair to criticize somebody for their performance and then just publicly bash them and make them the butt of a joke every single show that you ever appear on? Now, here's the thing. As someone that may take occasional shots at a certain uh, seven-foot forward that plays for the short I brought him up today, too. Yeah, I I feel bad for Nathan Peterman because he's just put in a situation. He's not good enough. He can't win, period. Fultz is different because he's got a severe, he's probably got a severe nerve injury. Now, granted, I'm not a doctor, nor have I stayed at a Holiday Inn. But at the same time, I am one, again, you can see that something's physically not right with him. There's a single nerve issue that's wrong with him. And that's why I feel bad for him, because you can (laughs) literally just trot him out there and it's not going to get any better. I'm not a doctor, but let's talk about nerves for a second. (laughs) I might as well. It's what I do, right? 
It's a real problem. It's it's a real con. It's a real contradiction I have with this job that I do and trying to criticize and also have fun at right, the expense yeah. of people. Listen, that free throw was funny. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was a bad free. That's throw. That's why I said it better. We're not be making funny. fun of Markel. We're making fun of the free throw shot. It, it was. It was a bad free throw. Markel Fultz certainly did not look good at shooting that free throw. And just a week ago, just a week ago, it looked a lot better. We're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. We'll take a quick break. We'll come right back with more here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. I'm Walker Mail, alongside Nada Edwards and Doug Branson. We're with the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. And just that I showed any kind of vulnerability, well, you, yeah, you I just, think Nada's just going to jump You are the over. gazelle limping <laughs> through the African <laughs> safari. I'm in the mud. Yeah. I'm, in, I'm in some sticky yeah, mud. You are the hippo stuck in the mud. <laughs> yes, yes. And I'm about to just get destroyed by Nas or by Nada's <laughs> By Nas. By Nas. <laughs> He's going to come out with me a rap battle. <laughs> it's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Markel Fultz is the gazelle stuck in the mud with all the media members just being the giant hippo with the jaws of life to come down on him. I mean, that's what, again, sometimes it'd be like that. Poor, poor gazelle Markel Fultz. Thanks again for joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Doug, you got something? Marzell Fultz. You're trying to make it work. I saw you. Marzell Fultz. I think it works. I mean, it kind of works. It's, yeah. All right. All right. That passes. Yeah. Well, you can give yourself the positive sound bite. Uh, saw headline. Interesting headline having to do with the Charlotte Hornets. Jason McIntyre, a guy that is no stranger to hot takes of Fox Sports Radio. He also writes for the big lead. He had a headline out there, quote, Charlotte is the only team that may take a chance on washed up Carmelo Anthony. I don't... I don't hate it. And that's what's surprising to me. Like I feel like I feel like this has been a flippity flip situation for you. Wait, oh, how dare you? Because I feel like I saw the other day that you were discussing Carmelo, like why would you take a chance on bringing in Carmelo when flippity he's done flip. those kind of things to a team's chemistry? So, I ask you the same very question that you put out there on Twitter, why if you're the Charlotte Hornets, would you do this to yourself, bringing in Carmelo and risking the chemistry of a locker room that looks pretty good right now? The gaping hole at backup four. The gaping hole. Like, you're going to need some kind of scoring at some point from somebody not named Kemba Walker. Well, Melo ain't giving it to you on any of the last two teams he's been on so far, right? Melo's, again, Melo gives you at least 15 to 18. Melo can give you, uh, well, 15 to 18. On 30% shooting as it stands right now. I, I'm willing to take a chance on a guy... Like, if you kick the tires, if he don't work out in two weeks, you cut him. That's what Houston did. I mean, at some point, you do have to take some chances on talent, and it'll, all it's going to cost you is a roster spot in maybe two weeks. As somebody who has been an apologist for Carmelo Anthony's latter half of his career, as somebody where people, they'll, they'll get too crazy and they'll say he's not a Hall of Famer, and that's just not true. The guy's one of the best scorers that we've ever had in the league. 
as being an apologist for some of the great things that he's done. At this point, like, I'm not taking a chance on Carmelo. I'm, I'm done with Melo. Like, I don't want him to go to a really good team. Sure, like a team like Phoenix or somebody could maybe use him for some scoring if they really want to win games. But even then, why would you want to bring that guy onto a team to go and play with some younger guys? Who is he going to help these other guys get better? I, I'm not wanting to take a chance on Carmelo. I'm cool with where the roster is right now for Charlotte without bringing Anthony in. I just, I just think they're this roster is a few injuries away from being out of the playoffs. And if you're really serious about making the playoffs, why would you not explore every opportunity to bring in a second scoring option? Because right now you have Kimball Walker, you have Jeremy Lamb scoring 12 points a game, and then the rest of your starters are scoring under 10 points a game. Like you have no legitimate second scoring option if for some reason they could wrestle that out of the remainder of Carmelo Anthony then I think that's a chance worth taking. Carmelo as a scoring option, though, you're going to lose some serious efficiency that you're not sacrificing with Kimba Walker right now. Like maybe Malik Monk you are, but Carmelo's not bringing you the efficiency, and so he doesn't give you any kind of defense. Like I'm I'm worried about bringing Carmelo in, and then you do have the whole chemistry. Like we kind of went through this with Dwight Howard, trying to be a big force and bringing somebody in that, well, he's washed up, but he still has some production. Well, I feel like Dwight Howard actually gives you more production at some points than what Carmelo Carmelo was able to give you. So that's a good point, Walker. And if that were the kind of role that Carmelo would want to assume when he was in Charlotte, then the Dwight Howard role where he demands the basketball and demands certain plays, then yeah, that's absolutely not the road they need to explore. And But if they can, if they can find a, a role for him that is not that, and they could, he could help them close close games... That could be a win for the Hornets. Carmelo's playoff shooting and clutch shooting was awful last season, I believe. I don't Against disagree OKC. with that. It was really bad. And it's it may not be him demanding the ball in the post, but it's him demanding playing time, starting, and the ball on the perimeter. Like, he's still demanding the basketball. Remember when he, what was it, Paul George? Paul, they got me coming off the bench. Can you believe that? Like, it obviously I, I, doesn't I, work out with Houston, man. I'm just, I, I, I think he can believe it now. <laughs> I think oh, he okay. can, right. I, I think he can believe you guys it. have more faith than I do. The other thing is though, like it goes into what Doug's point goes. Think about that Philly game. How easy were they to defend in overtime? How easy? You're going to need another option at some point before all this tape comes out and they're going to be like no one else can kill you on that team. So force the ball out of his hands. Yeah, I, I guess it also comes down to me just not thinking Carmelo can kill you either. I still think they're pretty easy to defend with him shooting the long twos and not doing a whole lot, moving and making it hard to defend him. But it's also a zig when everyone else is zagging or a zag when everyone else is zigging. Like you can see the whole, there's this consensus building around Carmelo Anthony that he's completely washed up, that there's no chance in, in salvaging him. If you manage to do that, then suddenly you you take that ceiling from six to four to possibly three. Yeah. I'm saying the sky's the limit. Carmelo number, is the answer. Number one C for the Charlotte Hornets? Maybe. Who knows? My point is, why not take the chance? Let's get crazy. I'm, I'm Michael Keaton right now, original Batman. Let's get crazy. Yeah. The 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 repercussions of getting crazy is also a would there, a floor would there that's be pretty, would there be any long term that's my question. Would there be any long term repercussions? It would be enough to get out of like you're talking about trying to battle with the Detroit Pistons for a six seed or seven seed. It's enough to get you out of the playoffs. It's enough to possibly ruin this team for a couple weeks and then lose a few games on the way because of Carmelo. I would rather the Hornets go out and try Carmelo doesn't bring the needle up to four either. 
Like he he's not doing that for you. Oh, second now score. We, now we're bringing needles into this. Second score. <laughs> second score, or at least someone that you know can score can put a bucket in late in the game. Moves the needle a little bit. Uh, I I don't know that Melo can be that second scorer that can put a bucket in late in the game. Do like, we have anybody else that again we're sure about? Even yeah, we, we know we know right now the Hornets don't have. Him. Well, well, it's, <laughs> exactly. it, he, he does it at known. the same level as Malik Bunk. Malik know Bunk that. has done it with the Bucks and he did it with the Heat. Like if you're looking for the same kind of efficiency rate, then look no further than Malik Monk, who is doing it at the same efficiency as Carmelo Anthony is. Like you have a younger, skinnier, more willing guy in. Malik Monk than Carmelo. You, you guys just want the 37-year-old. Look, at this point, if it doesn't work out, you cut him in a week. All right, that'll do it for today. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Locked On Hornets. We'll be back with you tomorrow for a recap against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>